Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. dedicated to Henry Farmer. In the Good evening, good afternoon, good whomever, good however I may find you. This is Alan Averill. This is Agitators Anonymous. This is episode, well, I'm not really quite sure what episode it is. It's 170-something, perhaps? Who knows? Who cares? Who can tell? Apologies for the slightly late arrival of the podcast. Uh, truth is, I've been hanging out in the park, catching some vital vitamin D. Um, I'm expecting a growth surge uh, any moment, and it's essential for my well-being. Um, down in the park. I was down in the park. Who has a song called Down in the Park? Answers on a postcard. It is, of course, Gary Newman. Um, one of the best gigs I went to, actually, uh, I will digress, as is my want, but uh, was uh, the replica tour of Gary Newman. Great gig, that was. actually quite like his um, new album-ish. It's just a shame that the the production on the last album wasn't quite as heavy as the live show. Um, still great voice um, and something of a vocal influence, actually. My uncle used to play Gary Newman all the time when I was a kid and I quite enjoyed some Gary Newman. Anyway, that's not really the point of this podcast. What am I going to talk about today? Well, um, someone said to me uh, during... I've been doing primordial interviews all week. To be honest, my brain is a bit fried. Five, six a day back-to-back talking about the same thing. Sometimes you just end up staring off into the middle distance like someone from home and away when they've, um, I don't know, some particular tragedy has befell them. Um, And just repeating words. Sometimes you find yourself thinking about something else, just repeating uh, the same words. If the um, interview becomes a bit like, you know, one of those tell me the history of the band type interviews or what are the lyrics on the new album about, etc. Which probably sounds a bit bad, actually, but if you do six in a row, um, I think I remember the worst being um, back for the Gathering Wilderness when there was way more printed magazines, when there was way more media, um, legacy media, way more media. And I had an interview schedule. I went over to the offices um, in uh, Metal Blade um, and Michael Trengart, rest in power, was, um, you know, he was my adjutant. He was my uh, controller. He was... Uh, uh, lording it over me and fuck knows somebody had to but I remember going to a party with Anton Reisiger the very lovely from um, Criminal from Bruheria from he played with Twilight Gods for a bit Pentagram of course classic from Chile um, lovely dude and like partying with him till like 6am um, and then managing to get lost in this small German town just bleary eyed wandering around as the do- as dawn started and I knew that the first interview was 9.30 in the morning and I literally lay my head down at a quarter to nine in the morning. And then Michael Trengart literally broke down my hotel door room to get me up out of the bed, out of the cot, um, threw cold water in my face and literally dragged me up by the collar uh, to go and start my interviews. And I think I did 10 to 15 that day, every half an hour until 6 p.m. to the point where I was actually lying on the floor, just speaking uh, with my head uh, against the, you know, the, 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 the phone. Just gently speaking into the phone, whereupon I finished my interviews, fell asleep on the floor till Mr. Trengo came in, gave me a little kick in the ribs and went, come on, we're going out drinking. You're young. You can handle it. And he was right. Rest in power, Mr. Trengart. You are sorely missed. 
Um, anyway, so what am I going to talk about today? And anyway, somebody in the interview said oh, to me, oh, you know, the podcast, I, I like the fact that it's completely unpredictable. It's all over the place. But please tell some more tour stories. So I thought that today I would dust off some memories from our first Finnish tour, um, which is maybe 2006 or seven or eight. I'm not sure. It was, uh, it was, not for, it was either for the Gathering Wilderness or I think it might have been for To the Nameless Dead, um, 2007, 2008. And we toured with an urn and insomnium. And did four or five days uh, in Finland, and they were four or five of the most mental days of my life. So I think I'm going to talk about that. Um, and I had something else to consider, which was: um, Does metal need a you know a cultural or political or social conscience? Um, I was going to talk about that. I might get round to that um, because you know a couple of things have happened. Um, you know, this week people, um, what should we say? Giving out about me a little bit. Um, I won't go into too many details. And I thought, you know, does metal need some sort of a, a conscience in this respect? Or does it need no justification as it is just an art form? But I wanted to go back to the beginning of the, you know, the late 70s, early 80s and consider the difference between the class difference between punk and um, New Way British Heavy Metal, for example, and have a look at that. I might get around to that, but first I'm going to tell some stupid stories about being on tour. Although, seeing as I was just watching um, or listening to something about it, I like this show called Useful Idiots, um, which is a, a kind of YouTube show. And they were discussing these wildfires in Maui. Um, and I just thought to myself, doesn't it seem strange that the US government could pour $100 billion um, into Ukraine, buying arms and munitions, which are used to kill people, but could only send the residents of this uh, Lehine, Lehine, Lehinche, is a place in Ireland, actually, so it's definitely not Lehinche, but Lehinia, um, $700 each, uh, when their entire city has been burnt to the ground. Incredible stuff. And I also have to say that it seems to me that uh, blaming everything on climate change is a kind of get-out-of-jail-free card for authorities or for people who haven't prepared for disasters. Um, and it's going to be used over and over again as we move forward because it's a very easy go-to. But things don't spontaneously combust. Um, very, very rarely. Most most wildfires are caused by, um, well, they're arson or they're, you know, a barbecue that's fallen over and gone out of control. They're electrical um, failings. Think of all the electrical appliances and the wires everywhere that are even even in um, a 10-mile square radius. There's so much there and you've got heat, you've got brush, etc. There's so many things there that could cause fires. The idea that just everything is instantly climate change. Almost every article um, that I read about it pref was prefaced with the idea that this was climate, um, you know, related. And I just thought to myself, that's very, 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 very strange. And it's obvious that that's a kind of an agenda. And I know people give out to me about that. Of course, you have to preface that with saying, I'm not saying that that isn't an issue, but just that most wildfires are generally caused by some form of um, human interaction with nature, i.e., or they could just be started on purpose, like many of them. Anyway, which I think, you know, a lot of the wildfires in Greece were and all that kind of stuff. And the thing about it is, you know, we've been talking in podcasts I've been on about misinformation and disinformation. And th you think to yourself, take this story about these, um, this terrible fire and this terrible tragedy. Now, there are stories that are getting out by, from local people who've been filming themselves because they've not been allowed back into their, their, um, their ancestral homelands and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know, the indigenous people there who have, you know, ancestral rights to the lands who've been not allowed. And then the mayor comes out and says, we, we kind of, I think the state should own this land now. Um, 
And it seemed to just disappear from the news cycle pretty quickly. Of course, there are conspiracy theories that jump in to fill it, like the conspiracy theories of the gaps, the god of the gaps, whatever you want to call that, um, because they, they kind of fill in the, uh, the, the, you know, they connect the dots or, well, try and connect some of the dots. So they just fill in the gaps. And there is a danger to that. But think to yourself, in the coming years, if, if all governments and all states are waging a war on mis- and disinformation, then that side of the story would just not get out because the state would say, well, what you're saying, um, Mr. Um, you know, indigenous person who lays ancestral claims to this land is missing disinformation. So we're going to shut you down. We're going to close down your channel. We're going to um, stop you from posting those things online and that kind of stuff. That's the danger of missing di- and disinformation. So many people um, on various sides of the argument, including what I would call elements of the new left, or think, I suppose, or let's just call them people who support the idea or tacitly support the idea of cancel culture. Or um, some of you may remember the spat I got into with Deaf Forever about hate speech legislation in Ireland and all that kind of thing. The idea is they all, many people always feel that um, the mis- and disinformation argument is going to benefit their side of the argument, but that's not always how it goes. Um, it doesn't stop with you or with them. The powers that be have no real, um, I don't think they care about your um, your social politics or whatever you want to say. Um, and the, this um, Maui fire thing is a very good example. See how it was um, framed in the narrative in the media. See how it disappeared from the media narrative. And look at these sort of miserly sums of money offered to local indigenous people. Um, everything is there in this story that should peak um, and enrage um, and make curious of people on all sides of the political divide. Um, and for some reason, they aren't. Uh, but yet, the US state can find enough money to send 100 billion, I think, and, and that's kind of, I think they, didn't they say they um, miscounted $5 billion um, that they had earmarked for Ukraine? Crazy, crazy sums of money. I don't remember ever hearing that kind of sum of money in the 1980s, did you? I don't remember the Irish Chancellery standing there going, well, we lost we lost a billion dollars, guys. It will all seem to be penny-pinching for 10 grand here and there. Anyway, what am I talking about? You don't need my hot take, um, no pun intended, on uh, those fires. But I just thought it would be interesting for people to consider how that how it might be framed in a couple of years as governments clamp down on mis- and disinformation. So what was happening on the ground there might not be able to get out because the state will go, well, we control the narrative. We control the narrative, my friends. It's a terrifying um, little, you know, it's a terrifying, terrifying phrase. And it should terrify all of us. And even, as I always repeat, the, you know, the mantra of Agitates Anonymous is the idea, one of them is the, you know, the Voltaire, I think, is the idea that you must defend the right of the freedom of speech of the people that you oppose the most, because otherwise, well, we lurch towards authoritarianism. Anyway, enough from me. What am I talking about? The podcast is sponsored by Metal Blade Records, um, and you can go to IndieMerch.com slash Metal Blade Records. Um, somebody told me the link isn't working, I better fix that. Um, and you can use 10% to get off your order, and that ships worldwide. Um, so if you're wanting to order that bundle of the new Primordial album, of course you are, of course you are, well then, this is your chance. If you're out there and you're looking for a backdrop for your band, for festivals and all that kind of thing, uh, get in touch with me, hit me up in the DMs, um, uh, you can find the links underneath, and I can forward you to the person involved and you can get that. Um, oh, Alan, we don't want to hear about your take about the wildfires. Get into the tour story stupidity. Young men, um, young, dumb and full of 
Indeed. Um, daft young men doing stupid things. That's what we want. Little things hitting each other. Um, what is that from? It just popped into my head. That's what I like. Little things hitting each other. That is Napoleon from Time Bandits, is it not? My favorite movie when I was a kid. Now, you're learning things about me. There you go. Actually, and still one of my favorite movies, Time Bandits, um, by the very great Terry Gilliam. Right, let's get into some stupid tour stories. My friends, this is Agitators Anonymous. I'm Alan Averill, and this is um, a snapshot into my, um, an hour. I'm not the, uh, I'm not solely involved in this, but our stupidity and um, all those kind of things. I mean, first things sort of first to, um, if you've never been to Finland, I mean, it's a it's a great place. It's not Scandinavia, it's Nordic, I guess, but very, very different to Sweden and Norway and Denmark. The people are, um, you know, hilarious, don't really do small talk. My friend, Juha, like, um, you have a party, um, well, I guess you would call it like, um, you know, the pre-gig party, the pre-gig drink, the pre-gig hangout. Um, the Vorspiel, the Nachspiel is the after one, the Vorspiel, the foreplay. Uh-huh. And, you know, I remember being at one party with um, another Irish friend and the pair of us were just like, blah, 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 back and forth. And it was like tennis with like 10 Finns in the room watching us. And my friend Ewa goes, Alan, how come you always know what to say? And I'm like, fuck, how the fuck do you even answer that? I don't know. I really don't know. I think that's just the Irish way, isn't it? They call it the gift of the gab. Um, to just keep talking constantly. Well, hence here we are, episode one hundred and eighty odd, where I sit in a, sit in my um, sit in the bunker and you know talk to myself in the you know talking into the void. Um, but Finns don't really go in for small talk. It's not really their style. But um, in Finland, you're allowed to kind of drink in a way that is quite extraordinary. In Ireland, um, you know, if you're really drunk, you'll get thrown out of the bar. In Sweden and Norway, if you're remotely drunk, they'll throw you out of the bar. But in Finland, they let you drink yourself to destruction and just sleep in the bar. It doesn't really seem to bother anybody. And there's like drunk tanks and, the you know, the cops go around at night and scoop up people um, who otherwise would freeze to death, who have happened to get so completely wasted that they uh, fall asleep in the street when it's minus 25. So this tour... Um, I'm, my memories, you know, are somewhat hazy at 16, 17 years ago, and maybe some names have been changed to protect the innocent, uh, or maybe not. But um, <laughs> it was, I'm pretty sure it was winter, because I remember it being at like minus 25, minus 23 or something like this, um, late, late at night. And one of the shows, I kind of lost my voice. Um, as I'd been carrying gear in and out of the van and been talking, blah, blah, blah. And you're going from like, let's say, um, uh, you know, 30, 40 degree change in and out. And the voice just went, no, you can't do that, man. Learn some valuable things um, about that and trying to stay quiet and not stay up. And, you know, you can't just stay up all night talking and shouting and expect to keep your voice. And I had to remember having to sing in a kind of low, kind of goth voice instead of the normal voice. I had to bring everything down and sing in a kind of lower harmony. And maybe if that was quite interesting for one show, I don't know. But we did four or five gigs. Um, and I'm going to try and remember some of some of the stupidity that happened. But on the first um, first day, I said to my friend, I don't know if you guys know the band Adorier, a brilliant band from London, but um, Mel and Chris, kind of staples of the uh, scene back in London, back in the day. Uh, I mean, Primordial made friends with those guys in 94. Um, Chris lived in Finland then. He's living. And I said to him, sent him a text and said, hey, man, we're going to tour Finland. Do you want if you want to hang out? And he just showed up in the parking lot with two bags of booze 
uh, and nothing else for the next four days. And so he's privy to most of this insanity as well. Um, and also there's a kind of weird thing with Finns, um, at least for us as Irish people. And I think Nordic people in general, I don't know if there's Norwegians are like this, but just getting naked doesn't seem to be much of a problem. Whereas in Ireland, you don't get naked at a party. You don't walk around with your... Um, you know your bits and pieces out on display you'll probably get a slap from somebody if you do that it's just not the done thing whereas Finns so f- first night we're drinking hanging out I remember being some small bar or other um, I think to our you know um, happiness some dudes from Reverend Bazaar the late great Reverend Bazaar showed up and so we were excited about that um, one of the greatest doom bands in the rectory of the Bazaar Reverend god damn it um, and actually I went to I digress, but I went to Belgium to see their last show, I think, ever in Europe and successfully managed to cut the top of my finger uh, almost off um, by trying to move in an act of altruism. They call me Alan Altruism Averill. Uh, I tried to move a glass that was on the stage and Albert stood on my hand uh, onto the glass uh, and so cut the top of my finger, which I thought was like when you're drunk on those, you know, those 10 percent Belgian, um, what are they called, duvels? Um, you've been drinking all day, you think it's great to just have your arm covered in blood and of course you draw the obligatory inverted cross on your forehead in blood and you just ignore it until you have to go to a bar afterwards. But they let me into the bar um, afterwards with like an arm covered in blood and a kind of toilet paper wrapped around my hand and just kind of went, yeah, whatever, mate. You know, just try not to bleed on the carpet. Um, But I digress. And me and the bold Chris from Adoria ended up um, back at some party Back in the days when, you know, you would look at this itinerary, the schedule and go, well, we've got five hours for the bus call. Uh, if we get one hour to lie down, we'll be fine. And then we'll just sleep on the bus. That's the way your mind went. Whereas now that would fill me with existential horror of some description to go, oh, my God, one hour. But this is 17 years ago. So I think I must have been like 30 years old or something. You do the math. You do the math. So we end up in back at some random people's sauna just sitting there of course me and Chris are not naked because we have some shame and we're sitting there swilling straight vodka surrounded by about half a dozen or eight um, very drunk Finns and then they go outside and run around in the complete snow and I was thinking about it that could be where I lost my voice uh, running in and out of this sauna Um, you know nothing particularly exciting happened but it sort of set the tone for the next four or five days. Um, and, you know, after one or two hours sleep, we sit in the van, you know, sleep, try and sleep for two or three hours. Um, and then we make it to, I know, I think this is like a sort of particularly, could it be Olu? Could it be, I'm not really too sure. It's somewhere in the middle of Finland. And this is where it gets really pretty silly. It's a kind of, um, if you're in Finland and you're listening, um, put it in the comments about where the fuck this venue is. It's like a youth centre, like four or five floors, and the band stay on the top in a kind of dorm, and the stage, the venue is on like the third floor. And it's a very cool gig, except for the fact that people drinking have to stand at one side by a barrier, and everyone else has to stand on the other side, which seemed really strange to me. Um, I don't know, 150, 200 people, a lot of black metal peeps, Um, Peeps, am I allowed to say that word? It seems unusual to... uh, It doesn't feel right um, when I say it, coming out of my mouth, the word peeps. Um, I think I'm too old for that. It's kind of like, um, you know, the way Irish people shouldn't be in sports cars or at the beach or something like this. We don't belong in those places. Um, That word doesn't belong coming out of the mouth of a middle-aged man. Anyway, 
we're playing this gig and the gig is great. Everybody gets super drunk, but it's fucking freezing outside. And we're in this um, we're in this dormitory upstairs. We're walking around Finland, you know, walking around the town trying to um, I don't know what we're trying to do, trying to have uh, have some fun or whatever. We met some girls with mohawks. Um, and they reminded us of Didi Crazy from Sarcophago. So, of course, then what do you have to do is scream Didi at the top of your voice um, when you're, you know, all the time and listen to Sarcophago INRI at like outrageous volume um, at three and four in the morning um, while everyone, you know, poor guys from Insomnium are trying to sleep. Although the guys from Urn seem to really enjoy it. But um, we're in this sort of three, four floor kind of uh, complex. Maybe it was more floors than that, but it had an outside stairwell which, um, of course, being from Ireland and you're a bit drunk, you forget, well, very drunk, you forget that it's minus 25 outside. And um, we had no more alcohol. We had no more alcohol. And Mick, the now, the now departed um, young buck, Mick Flynn, is like, I'm getting more beer, fuck this, I'm going. And he, just, he decided he was going down to the bar. Down to the bar downstairs where the venue was, which, of course, was locked and closed up. And he's like, oh, I'm getting more beer. I'm going to go and do this. You know, um, have you ever heard Cork people speak? That's it's a kind of strange sing songy kind of voice. Um, you're like, you know, a bit cartoonish. <laughs> um, and he goes down off down this, you know, off uh, down to the down to the try and find his way into the bar. And I'm thinking he's gone quite a long time. So I'm thinking to myself, well, there's one bed too few. What I am going to do is there's a sauna on the bottom floor. I'm going to take his take his bed apart and, you know, like literally um, screws and everything and all take the legs off um, just kind of out of spite, to be honest. But I took his mattress and I put it in the elevator with all of the stuff and sent the elevator down to the basement, which is where the sauna was. And in a drunken haze, tried to um, start up the sauna and put the mattress in the sauna. This was just, this seemed like a very good idea at the time. All the time, well, like sarcophago, we'd figured out how to um, how to kind of wire up our uh, little speaker thing to kind of like big speakers that seemed to be like sort of playing on the whole floor or two. So like you're like the sarcophago is like, dan, 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 dan. it's just blaring everywhere. People are trying to sleep. There's drunk people everywhere. Um, there's fucking people with mohawks and there's people, you know, drinking and headbanging and whatever else is going on. Um and on my way down, uh, pulling this mattress down the stairs, I could see uh, our boy Mick on the other side of um, a door uh, with a window on it. And I'm looking at the door at him and I'm looking like, haha, what's he doing out there? He's up to some devilly mischief. I'm sure no doubt he's going to come back up with like loads and loads of um, beers and stuff in a minute. So I disappear down into the basement, try and start up this sauna, um, which doesn't really work. And I think probably I got quite close to setting the whole thing on fire. Um, because we just don't have saunas in Ireland. Um, but little did I realise at that moment when I looked out the the door, I could have been sending young Mick to his to a to a frozen end to his death, kind of like the end of The Shining. Um, you know when um, Jack Nicholson is in the <laughs> little forest. Because what he'd done is he'd opened the fire escape door, which you couldn't open from the outside, onto the outside stairwell, which was like in. Uh, in the sort of, well, it's in the elements, which was minus 25 or minus 26 outside. And he was literally just wearing like a Celtic Frost shirt. And I think his, 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 uh, I think he had no shoes on, but I think he, I don't think he had any trousers on. I think he's just uh, decided in his, in his, uh, you know, his boxer shorts, I'm going downstairs to get some more beer. And um, he's locked himself out. But of course, I look out the window at him and I don't realize that. And I just keep on going. And so Mick then is like locked out. He has no phone. It's minus 25 and he's locked in the stairwell. 
um, with no way to get back in. We all think, ah, oh, he's just down in the bar, you know, having a drink. He's found, you know, a crate and it's just like sitting, you know, getting jolly in the bar. No, no, no. He was out in the stairwell, in the frozen stairwell. But there, there were some, there were these kind of strange, um, um, kind of like cupboards, sort of like, I don't know how to describe it. There were sort of like storage rooms. And he'd gone into the storage rooms and he'd found, obviously from some play that was happening in the venue, uh, mannequins with these old kind of like pirate costumes, pirate clothes on um, in one of these kind of like um, cupboards. And basically, rather than sort of like freeze to death kind of thing or freeze (laughs) or be very cold for the next six or seven hours, he wraps himself in all these mannequins clothes. He puts on like this pirate jacket, like a pirate hat, wraps his head and stuff, wraps his feet in loads and loads of rags and all this kind of stuff. And the reason I know this is because at about nine in the morning, where, you know, kind of people are kind of coming around after a couple hours sleep, like, oh, headaches hangover. I'm like, whatever. Um, like, where's Mick? Where's his bed? Oh, you put it in the sauna. Okay. Um, looking out the window and it's like, you know, snow and frozen shit ever. And I see Mick dressed as like a sort of pirate mannequin with huge big like um, rags wrapped around his feet, running across the snow to a garden, to a post, uh, to uh, the postman who was delivering something to the venue like basically shouting at him like help 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 kind of thing and um the the postman had to call inside to try and get somebody to open <laughs> the door for uh mix as he cooked back in out of the snow he'd been out there for like six or seven hours or something like this wrapped up in <laughs> mannequins but couldn't get back in um oh and um he came back up the stairs trudged back up the stairs as we were all sitting there hung over um, dressed in like pirate outfit with like rags on his feet and now we thought oh fuck this look at this he's going to explode with rage and he just broke down laughing and just you know it was that's only night two of the tour and poor old Mick had almost frozen to death and in fairness in fairness he he, he did find the funny side of it but that one glance through the through the window as I saw him uh, going down the stairs I thought look at him what the fuck is he up to he's up to some shenanigans shall I leave him at it um, that could have been his, um, you know, his um, shining like uh, a shining like end to his career, so to say. So there is other dumb things happen on other days, but um, I'll go to the gig in Helsinki. I think it was in a venue called Hell Waits, I think. Um, and, um, you know, I'm sort of maybe mixing up a few things here, but we got we're getting on famously with the guys from Urn. Um, and I think the lines in the sand were drawn because we were listening to Motorhead together and, everyone, you know, um, the other band were like, oh, who's this? It's, it's, this is Motorhead, hey? And then it kind of like, you know, that look you give like, oh, you don't know who Motorhead is, huh? Well, them. well, we've, we've made a judgment on your character straight away there. So we get to, we get to um, Helsinki. It's going great. Lots of people are showing up and it's very cool. And we meet some old black metal friends and some people friends from different bands and you know um i think i traded a nice sweet old unholy shirt which i succeed in losing with somebody um if anybody has an unholy shirt they'd like to trade me please 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 get in touch one of my favorite bands from back in the day um and so we're playing this venue hell awaits i think in helsinki and it's the last gig and i'm determined this is back when i was doing quite a bit a lot more drinking and heavy drinking um somewhere around about 2010 2011 2010 maybe I just stopped doing the, well, not all completely stopped, but more or less stopped the whiskey drinking and the, the carrying on and the pretending like I was Lemmy or whatever. And then again, Lemmy never really, never really got wasted, did he? So I wasn't really pretending I was Lemmy. It was more, um, 
you know, you just took a bit too much Motley Crue on board. But Finns have this horrific, horrible kind of aniseed drink called Salmiaki. Um, if I'm not saying that incorrectly, that sounds kind of Greek, doesn't it? But it's similar to Uzo, I guess. Um, I can hear lots of Finnish people um, shouting at me now. And Finns do this thing where they put fishermen's friends into vodka to make it taste licorice Like, can you think of anything more disgusting? Licorice. Like, what? what is going on? Why do you guys like this so much? There's some things which are just not, that don't culturally transfer. Irish people don't like licorice. We don't like spinach either, um, just for the record. Um, the, you know, listen, Dutchies, Dutch people seem to love spinach, but no, we 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 don't have it. But then again, who's ever heard of a Dutch restaurant? Huh? You can, you know, who goes to um, a Dutch restaurant to order dry chips and frikadel or whatever that is, which is just awful and guts in a little tube. Anyway, I digress. But then again, you don't even have a you don't have a Finnish restaurant either. Um, it's not their greatest cultural export, dried fish or whatever. I digress. We're in Helsinki, and at the time. Um, someone in our uh, in our entourage, in our um, you know in our friends group, um, used to work for the uh, Eight Ball, who are like a pretty well known biker gang in Helsinki, um, and invite like a few of them to the gig. Now we don't know um, what that word means. We don't really have a, a you know we don't really have an understanding of that. Um, so the promoter comes to us and he's just like grave and ashen faced. He's like, "What the fuck? Who invited the Eight Ball?" We're like, oh, well, we did. And he's just like, oh, my God, they've just fired all my security and they're taking over the gig and all this kind of stuff. And we're like, oh, all right. And he's just like, guys, you have no idea <laughs> how bad this is. We're like, oh, um, all right. Well, anyway, look, whatever. So then, you know, we play and the gig is great. Last half an hour, I decide in my wisdom, I'm going to drink that fucking bottle of Salmiaki. So at the side of the stage, I mix about eight Salmiaki and Red Bull drinks for myself and start to scold them scold them scold them scold them and I get out of my fucking mind by the end of the show the gig is great and it's I kind of time it well my time my stupidity well to not really fuck up any of the end of the gig and I'm like literally Salmiaki and Red Bull wow this is this is a, a special kind of stupidity like the same time in Austria once I drank about 20 absinthe and Red Bull shorts and app completely lost my mind, like absolutely turned into a feral animal that they had to hold me in a corner of the tour bus um, from stop me from smashing everything, including myself. Um, and, you know, we, we you, you hope to learn from your mistakes. But anyway, so I drink this Salmiaki and Red Bull and, they're, and the eight ball are like, OK, you guys are all coming to an after party in our clubhouse. And our bass player, he knows that I can't go. He knows something bad will happen. I'm 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 like on another planet. So what he does is I'm like, oh, where's the shower? And he just goes, oh, it's it's just in there, just down there. And I go into this um, room, and he locks me in the room. He like locked me in a cupboard, a sort of cupboard, dark cupboardy room, in the hope of like I suppose like you know when you have a parrot that's making lots of noise and you put a cloth over its uh, <laughs> over it so as it goes to sleep. He was hoping like if I lock the door and just like leave him in there, then. We've, we've lost him oh he, he can't come oh no oh I don't know where he's oh, I'll, I'll send him a message and he'll try and follow us on so they all leave they go to the biker club and they have a much more sedate time they have actually have a great time I think there was a blues band playing and they all get along but they've left me behind and there's some questions like where, where oh, where's your singer oh no that's the wrong accent Finnish where's your singer um, kind of thing um, and they're like oh we, we don't know he's probably gone off he's gone off somewhere with 
um, some girl or the guys from Barathrum or the guys from Unholy or oh, who knows where he is when actually I'm locked in a cupboard in the dark. Um, and then eventually the promoter hears me banging and shouting and he lets me out of the cupboard. But thankfully for my own um, safety and sanity, uh, I've they've gone off. So then I, uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm on another level now, another plane. So the support band, myself and Earn, decide, oh, let's go out in Helsinki. And what happens then is uh, Chris is still there. You know, he's still around. Um, Chris finds me as well. And he's like, hey, hey, look at the state of you. You're a fucking hot mess. So we go out on the town. We get thrown out of nightclubs. I, I, there's fights. There's a, I remember slapping some young fella with dyed black hair and a eyeliner and a cradle shirt or something who's like, yeah, your band is you know, girl band music or something like this. And then there's a slap and there's all, oh, there's all sorts of stuff happening. I get thrown out of a nightclub um, with no jacket, just in a, like a stupid little sleeveless thing. And it's like, again, minus 25 and like shouting at the band, just pure Irish cliche dickheadness. Like the kind of thing that you have to learn from and go, oh, wow, I really was a cliche tonight. Anyway, so they let me, uh, you know, they let me, uh, I just get kicked out of this, that and the other. Find my way back to the hotel. And I'm standing there looking in the mirror of the hotel going, fucking hell, man, you're a hot mess. Um, still with corpse paint on, still with like animal blood or some sort of blood on me, you know, wearing a sleeveless thing because I've lost my top, lost the unholy shirt I traded for. Please get in touch if you have one. Um, and I end up breaking the mirror. I don't know how I did it, but I, I didn't smash it with my fist. I, I don't know. I, I think that I just gently found the pressure point of the mirror and cracked it and and cut my hand open. So I'm wandering around now the um, the hotel corridor kind of going, oh, I need something to wrap my hand in, blah, blah, blah. And I hear like, you know, music coming from the end of the corridor. Chris comes out and from the other side of the corridor and he's like, hey, we go, hey, instantly forgotten about my bloody hand. And we can hear music, blah, 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 blah motorhead or whatever. Let's just say it was motorhead. And we go down to the corridor to the, where the urn guys are and it's a vision from hell. Uh, their hotel room door is open. It's like 6, 7 a.m. Um, the merch guy, who was a big, big dude, um, is naked, lying on the bed, stomach down. And the rest of the guys have broken a chair and broken some other stuff. And they're just like bashing him on the ass with all bits of sticks. I'm doing the motions now, which is not very useful for a podcast bashing him with sticks and just hitting him with things and going hey and just drinking and pouring stuff on him and just like it's absolute just mayhem I'm just like look at this Chris we've just ended up this is where we deserve to be um, after our stupidity of the previous few days we deserve to be in a room with a bunch of absolutely wasted Finnish metalers a big uh, huge drunken guy with his ass um, up towards the ceiling uh, and people hitting him with sticks and then one of the guys goes, oh, you want to hit him with a stick kind of thing? I'm like, well, I'm, even me in this state, I think I'll leave out the stick bit. And me and Chris look at each other and we think, yep, you fucking deserve that. And that's kind of the tip of the iceberg in a way of the kind of the madness. And then I went home and then you get the fear. In Ireland, we call it the fear, which is like, oh, fuck, what did I do? You know, you check. I check my phone and all my Finnish friends from bands like Moon Sorrow and Fintroll and others are sending me texts. Go, where did you go? You're a dickhead. You're an asshole. Fuck's sake, man. You really had to do that? I'm like, oh, oh, what did I do? You had to fucking start a fight with that bouncer, didn't you? Who, this huge dude who wrote it just slapped me to the ground, but who just, as far as I understand, patiently just kind of went, look, drunk Irish idiot. 
please go away uh, in Finnish. Um, well, thank you to that bouncer for not pulling my head off. Um, and we lived to tell the story of another day. Mick did not freeze to death. I did not get, um, you know, I did not get um, my legs broken by, by the eight ball, which uh, or whatever else, or get in trouble with anybody. Really, really, and um, we're still friends with Ern, um, uh, and great band by the way, Ern. And we returned to Finland, returned to the scene of the crime, and um, I think uh, if I had to think of my top twenty. A most insane drunken experiences I would say four or five of them are are, are, are Finnish um, and that was our first um, I don't know if Hallowaites Club was there anymore it was a great club and you know Finland is um, you know it's a great place great people and I really love the kind of the bluntness the straightforwardness um, and the lack of small talk um, because you know Irish people are there to fill in the gaps anyway my friends a breathless recount of some of the stupidity um, that young men get into when you um, give them this ridiculous um, you know lifestyle of playing in a band and allowing them to travel to places and going hey look there's a fridge full of booze knock yourself out or here's a bottle of salmiaki I think it's a good idea that you should mix it with Red Bull because that's obviously the sensible option thing to do my friends um, I'm nothing but a people person the, everybody who knows that knows that about me um, that's my middle name altruism Alan Altruism Averill I'm a people person I give everybody what they want and um, during the midweek during my interview schedule um, in between talking about serious weighty subjects one of the guys interviewing me said um, please some, some old tour stories on Agitators Anonymous so there you go Young, dumb, and full of stupidity. Um, that is a uh, hazy, messy, all over the place retelling of Primordial in Finland in 2006. The names have not been changed to not protect the guilty. We are the guilty. We are the guilty. My friends, Agitators Anonymous, over and out. See you next week. <laughs>